Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Katie Bella Show. I'm your host, Katrina Goodlett, aka Katie Bella. 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 Radio.com forward slash The Kitty Bella Show. And check out our upcoming episodes, as well as our podcast and interviews that are on demand 24-7. The beauty in podcasts is that you don't need to spend time viewing a program. You can listen to The Kitty Bella Show while doing laundry, going for a walk, working out, getting out of your head while trying to study for those damn final exams, and while driving with a hands-free device, of course. Please go to our Facebook page, The Kitty Bella Show, and like our page, please. Follow me on Twitter at Tweetrina for Life. Also, please utilize social media during the show. If you like something you hear or you want to make a comment about what's happening, please do so using the hashtag, The Kitty Bella Show, in your Facebook post, tweet, Instagram, etc. If social media is not your cup of tea, join us via telephonic instrument at 347-237-4756. All I ask is that you be in a quiet place with the volume up. We will also be taking questions tonight. You can listen in to the show from the telephone as well. This is a groundbreaking new show on Blog Talk Radio. We discuss all kinds of issues here, from the mundane to the serious, and try to go beyond the sensational issues and discuss the real issues that occur in trans folk lives. We will discuss all aspects of my guest lives. We are so much more than genitalia. Many of us have persevered, actually, despite daily oppression. Trans folk, they're everywhere, right? I'm here. Our lives matter. The fact is I'm not even supposed to be here, a black trans woman, producing, hosting a radio program online. So for me, just being in this space is an act of revolution. But how do we push the agenda forward? How do we continuously elevate the conversation and narrative and territory issues of importance? Or not? Tonight's show features two amazing guests, revolutionary freedom fighter Cece McDonald and ACLU staff attorney Chase Strangio. Cece came to national attention in June 2012 after accepting a plea bargain of 41 months for second-degree manslaughter of a man who verbally assaulted her and her friends outside of a bar in Minnesota during closing time. CC eventually served 19 months in prison. CC has turned her harrowing ordeal of wrongful imprisonment 
in my eyes, into her own narrative. She is the subject of a documentary titled Free CC, a film produced by Orange is the New Black Star, Laverne Cox. Free CC, a documentary about McDonald's experience told through interviews by Laverne Cox. It's still in production. The film centers on the attack on McDonald's and her friends, including the traffic, her imprisonment and violence experienced by trans women of color across the country. Our other guest tonight, our second awesome freedom fighter, Chase Strangio, is a staff attorney with the ACLU's LGBT and HIV project. Chase's work includes impact litigation, as well as legislative and administrative advocacy on behalf of LGBTQ people and people living with HIV across the United States. Chase has particular expertise on the treatment of transgender and gender nonconforming people in police, custody, jails, prisons, and other forms of detention. Chase is also very dear to me because Chase last year, just last year, helped me settle a discrimination claim against my own employer. Tonight we will talk about my own personal case as well as CC's and as well as other legal implications around CC's case and as well as other recent stories, Monica Jones, Jane Doe, and a few others. Do you have a question for Chase, guys? Kitty Bella supporters, where y'all at? Call in 347-237-4756. We will also have Chase get several vital facts on know your rights that trans folks should know in terms of work, school, hospitals, and jail. CC will also talk to us about her new documentary, Free CC, as well as her thoughts on prison abolition, sex work, body body positive imagery, and, of course, her prior court case. Call CC, 347-237-4756, hashtag CC, hashtag Kitty Bella Show, the Kitty Bella Show, or you can just do uh, Kitty Bella Show, that's fine, hashtag TWCC, right? Give her some affirmation. Send some love. Send some chase some love. Absolutely. So, wait, that was a lot to take in, right? I don't like to just dump a whole bunch of shit on you guys. I gotta fire the sound producer. Sorry for that pause. So what's the tea? I spent an amazing time this weekend in our nation's capital, celebrating the Earth Return of Trans Women of Color Collective National Director Lord Ashley Hunter. What an amazing time to bask in the sisterhood. Yes, y'all, trans women of color are being brutally murdered in these streets. But Trans Women of Color Collective aims to shift that narrative. We came together to bring joy to our sister, break bread, and foster leadership and bonding. The newly formed leadership team performance of one of its team members, Lady Dane, who was magnificent in The Last of the Y.O.s at the Spooky Action Theater. We also came together for my debut comedy, Satirical Set, at NYUDC. For writer, awkward, talent agency founder, Jay Mace, in his tour of Cupid Ain't Shit. Thank you, Maine, for continuing to foster the leadership I look to. I truly believe it's best to honor our fallen, but it's even more sensible to honor and affirm those here already. Why honor me when I have died? Did you honor me when I was living? Right. So, March is here, y'all. We will take off next week, and I will take time to, to produce a few shows as well as raise funds for the Kitty Bella Show. Yes, y'all, your girl is asking for help. I, Kitty Bella, <laughs> need your help. Oh, my God, I said it. I said it. I need help. Oh, my. Wow. 
guard dog bite. All right. My sound effects are off tonight. You're going to have to just bear with me, guys. I will not be using the sound effects. As much as you know, I love to, like, I'm, like, uh, freaking retarded with the sound effects. It's just working too slow tonight. So, anyway, thanks to the Transform Color Collective, I have been funded for the next two months. But, unfortunately, my mom has been having health problems. And I've had to take time off from work and tend to her needs. So needless to say, things are very, very tight right now. If you believe in the Kitty Bella Show, please feel free to go to PayPal, sow a seed of affirmation at kittydroid, that's one word, 2011, it's all one, at gmail.com. Kitty Bella needs funding, especially since I'll be starting preparations for a big event in April. Kitty Bella will announce details soon. Stay tuned. In saying all this, I must be intentional and honor those who have stepped up and affirms my leadership by pouring into my work, in my life. My sister, my mentor, my leader, my friend, Lord Ashley Hunter, and the Transformers Color, Color Collective, thank you for pouring into this work. I never claim to know all the answers. I never claim to know it all. But what I do know is that this work must get done, and I'm going to do it. Ashe, that is a statement from Ruby Carrado, executive director at Cafe de Ruby, one of many gems that she dropped over this weekend at the leadership retreat. Ashe Ruby, Lord, you exemplify the mantra, true leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. Jay Mace, the third founder of newly formed talent agency Awkward, has also stepped up to keep things afloat here on the Kitty Bella Show. Please hold these folks up, y'all. I'm talking about it for a reason. <laughs> they help me maintain what I do here and what we are doing tonight. I do have an appearance at the end of this month for a night of empowerment and honoring trans women in the event in the Bronx, coordinated by Raul Barrera on March 21st. More details soon. I'll be doing my comments that night. Right. Al, see, let's see if Al works. Where's Al? Can I get an Al? Al. Right. Okay. So Al works. <laughs> Al. Um, congrats also to Sammy Josado. CWOCCU is leadership team member. Sammy Joe is the Philly Trans Health Conference coordinator and has been for two years. She is also a MUA and beat my face and my sister's lovely faces this weekend. That is the work. Yes, y'all, that simple. It's not difficult. You beat my face, that may help me perform gender to get through this daily fixation on assimilation. That saves a life, possibly. It also boosts confidence and it's empowering and it's fun. Right. Yes, y'all. I need Sammy Joe. Excuse me, Olivia Dato. Ow. To be my personal makeup artist when Kitty Bella starts doing performances live. Special big ups to love to Goddess Ruby Carrado of Cafe de Ruby for always being on time. Yes. So without further ado, let's get to tonight's guest. Prior to joining the ACLU, Chase was an Equal Justice Works Fellow and the Director of Prisoner Justice Initiative at the Sylvia River Law Project, where he represented transgender and gender nonconforming individuals in confinement studies. In 2012, Chase founded the La Reina Boras Community Fund, an organization that provides direct bail, bond assistance, to LGBTQ immigrants in criminal and immigration cases. Chase is a graduate of Northeastern University School of Law and Grinnell College. Susan McDonald gave her first televised interview six days later on Melissa Harris Perry on MSNBC. McDonald spoke about her incarceration and those of other incarcerated transgender people, saying, I they wanted me to hate myself as a trans woman. And added, prisons aren't safe for anyone, and that's the key issue. 
work, Cece. The segment also featured Katie Burgess, who said the only way that trans folk are going to be safe in prisons is for incarceration of people to end. Guys. What a feast that we have prepared in store. We are going to mix it up tonight and bring Cece on first and Chase a few minutes after. Kitty Bella listeners, I give you, give us a warm Kitty Bella welcome for Miss Cece McDonald. (laughs) Cece, how are you? Right. Hello, Miss Kitty. I'm talking to you on the Kitty Bella show. How did you like yes, that intro? Yes, I'm going to put a sound effect. Honey, I've been, honey, I've been in the background gagging the whole time. Like, I'm yes, trying. Honey, I'm going to put the bomb drop, honey. No, honey, let it fly. Oh, let the bomb fly away, honey. Give it to me. Yes. Oh, honey. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I am like mine tonight. Yes, I am so, I'm just so affirmed tonight. Thank you so much, Cece, for joining us. Just bear with me one moment. I don't know why Adobe just opened up in the middle of my program. Okay. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Right, and so I'm so happy you're here. Um, Welcome to the show. How are you? How was your day? Um, Let's just check in. Like, I love to check in with my guests at the beginning of the show. How was your day like? How was your day today? Well, uh, it was, uh, you know, a typical day for a trans woman of color. You know, I was out with Bay today. We went to go have some pizza, and white folks was looking like, oh, this is confusing. I don't understand what is this going on here, you know. And clearly, you know, honey, the shade was being thrown, honey, but, of course, I had to shed my light on these pros, honey, because clearly, you know, I, I give life, honey, and I guess a lot of people can't take that. You know, I go outside, you know, unbeat, looking flawless either way, you know, mm-hmm. being all lovey-dovey. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, sometimes people just want to steal that away from you, you know, whether it be, you know, the uh, the – Big capitalist bankers taking my money away from me to the little small people in the world that love and support me. I'm going to navigate through life how I have to. Um, And I've been a little under the weather. Like, even now, like, yesterday I woke up at, you know, I did some chores for my godmom, and my throat just started instantly throbbing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I felt like my throat was swelling, and so I woke up a little bit better today and, you know, you know, feeling myself. Even in my sickness, I try to be, you know, beautiful. I try to bring in positive energy. And, you know, just a, a, a note, a side note, being beautiful Yes, honey. Sorry, that was, that. no, that was long overdue. That was for when you were, that, look, 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 look. That was for when you were reading a white folk. Yes, that was my All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go back. Uh, but I was saying being beautiful is more than something that's, you know, something that's tangible or something that can be seen. Being beautiful is knowing who you are and self-awareness is being in tune with, not just yourself, but the world and the people around you and just 
always constantly bringing in positive energy, letting your love and light shine, and just being beautiful, you know what I'm saying? So I have to wake up and be beautiful, you know, regardless if I would not be in there if I didn't have my right. two answers. You know what I'm saying? No. I have to, you know, no. love my You're not here to perform gender. Oh, no, honey. Absolutely I, not. You know, right. as, like, as the girls, as the girls like to say, honey, I'm ultimate banshee, honey, and I can live with that. I can live with mm-hmm. the idea of me living in my womanhood, um, how I choose to, and that if that you know consists of me not wearing makeup and not wearing the weaves and not having to wear you know cl- you know clothes. That and, and let me mind. I'm not trying to take away from people who choose because I feel like, and I believe one of the topics by, uh, you know, definition of, you know, sexuality and you know how it's portrayed and you know how society you know diminishes uh, and takes away from femininity and what that means to be beautiful and you know how that you know, societies or the media's idea of what a woman is consists of, you know, having these, you know, these awesome curves and, you know, women come in all shapes and sizes and shades and, you know, we we have to learn how to navigate our womanhood differently in our own aspects and take it how it is and, and learn who we are day by day, you know what I'm saying, one step at a time. And it took me a long time to kind of decolonize my mind around, uh, you know, misogyny and trans misogyny and let that affect me in a way that I couldn't love myself as a trans woman because I was constantly being told, you know, by cis and trans women that to be a woman, you have to look like this, you have to speak like this, you have to walk oh, no. like this, you have to act like this. And I'm not one that kind of, you know, constructs herself in a way that I take orders from other people. So I'm learning to right, be right. my mind around, around what real womanhood is. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put into concept my own idea of womanhood for myself, as as should everybody should do for themselves as individuals, regardless of gender um, and gender roles. And, you know what I'm saying? So absolutely. I'm just, you know, absolutely. getting into myself. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you talked about that. I share opening up the show and um, ushering in to the show's atmosphere, gender role and assimilation. Like, what the fuck is that shit about? Um, I'm not here for it. Uh, I have to be completely, like, <laughs> of course, transparent. Well, I got to be transparent. Like, I perform gender, like, we all do. Like, so for me, like, when I was younger, like, that was something that was, like, you know, important. And, like, I've, I've navigated through these spaces of assimilation um, and privilege. Unfortunately, um, or it's not really unfortunately, it would be a fortunately. Fortunately, I've realized that none of that shit matters. Right. And so for mm-hmm. me, like, I'll go out now, girl, please. It'll be, like, a day that I haven't even, like, shaved. I don't give a freak. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly. Reality. And so for me, like, I don't even, like, think about that anymore because for me, my womanhood is not defined by genitalia. It's not defined by a shade. It's not defined um by a tuck. So you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-mm. But see, exactly. I want us to um, 
I want us to um, go to the most important things right now. Let's just dive right into it. I sent you a P-Girl, hashtag P-Girls Rock shirt. Did you love it? Yes, I did. Oh and the shade is, let me, I'm going to tell you what the shade is, because I, I actually wore that bomb But something like, okay, so as a trans woman of color, and this is, this is, this is real life, so everybody that's listening, please listen up, because this is some real life shit. You know, people see me and they're like, oh, you're Cece McDonald, you have a label, you're so famous, and and then I have to come with stories like this. So, as a normal trans woman of color, of course I deal with poverty and I deal, still kind of dealing with homelessness. I was fortunate enough to have a guy mom that was like, sure, you can come stay with me until you find a place. You know, it's hard for me because right. as as my only you know, employment right. is speaking at colleges, there is no actual tax ID or anything for that, which is what renters want. They want to be all up in your biz. And it's like, God damn, why you need to be all up in my business if I got the money? You should just want to rent to me because I'm telling you, hey, look, if I can drop six months worth of rent right now, come on, just let me move in. They're like, no, you're shady, honey. We don't we don't understand where you're getting this money from. We're not trusting it. That's, you know, black like trans women issues. But, mm-hmm. of course, I had all my stuff in storage. And I was put in the storage with a family member. And, you know, I was expecting that they would hold up their bargain of that responsibility, which was to pay half. And this whole time I was paying and, you know, I, I feel like it was on both ends more so with the facility that they – Okay, so at the time I had just got out of prison, and and it was, you know, I was about five, six months out, and uh, all my stuff was in storage, including my T-Girls Rock shirt that I literally wore every day. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, where's my sound effect? Oh, oh. Right. Yes. So it, it gets interesting. I go up to the place. I come back from one of my from one of my trips. I go up to the place to go check on the stuff, put down some money, you know. And they say, "Well, we're sorry uh, because that that unit got auctioned off." And so oh, no. all the stuff that I had built up from me being in prison, all of my books, all of the stuff that I had written, all of the newspaper clippings I had, all of the support letters clothes that I had to rebuy because, of course, when I got out of prison, I was, you know, a little bit on the thicker side. <laughs> you know, all of this mm-hmm, stuff that mm-hmm. I had to re- reaccumulate was pretty much uh, null and void because it all went down the drain. And oh my a, lot God. Of this was, a lot of this was things that were provided uh, through uh, some of the fundraising money that people had sent in while I was in prison. And, you know, once I had, you know, felt like I was in place, I had enough things to last me until, you know, I decide I need to change things or whatever, it was all snatched away from me. I'm talking about brand-new sewing machines that were donated to me. All of this that was within the storage unit. Mind you, I only had the storage unit for possibly three months. And... 
within the first two weeks, they were already talking about late fees, and so I already knew that situation was going to be bad, but I didn't know it was going to be that bad. Right, so, right, you right. know, oh my whenever God. you get well, a chance, so... if you want to send me another T-Girls Rock t-shirt, oh, girl, I would love You don't even have to say anything else. I've seen uh, you had liked one of my Facebook photos of me actually wearing a shirt, and like, when I seen a photo, yeah. I kind of teared up, like, oh my gosh, I remember that shirt, like, because it was in the store. That's what I saw when she, she wore it. I was like, oh, my God, look at her. I didn't see the photo. No, not did I only wear it. I literally wore it every day. If he was like, what does, what does T-girl mean? What does that mean? What's a T-girl? And I'm like, oh, honey, you naive little girl. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, my. Yes, honey. But All right, so let's, Cece, um, let's bring in Chase. Chase is waiting on the line. Oh, yes. Yeah, Chase. Chase, yeah. you know? right? I have to prepare the drum. Where's the drum? Right. Ooh, where's my clapping effect? Where's clapping? Is he on? Wait, where's Chase's thing? I'm sorry, guys. I'm having like extreme technical difficulties. Okay, Chase, are you there? Wait, I don't know if Chase is there. Come on. Oh, God. No bueno. There we go. Chase, are you there? I'm here. Yes. How are you? Hi. I'm going. Welcome to the Kitty Bella Show. Thank you so much. I'm just so honored to be here with you and with Cece. Um, That was a really amazing introduction, and I'm happy to be a part of the conversation. Absolutely. So I just wanted to make sure I brought you on. I didn't want you to have you um, waiting and holding for too long. I wanted to uh, usher you in at least and uh, get that piece done. But I also wanted to go back to Cece because I did have one more question for Cece before I started uh, asking you some questions, Chase. Um, Cece, so currently the documentary is in production. Can you just briefly tell our listeners about that? Um, And for those audience who don't know, can you just put them on to what the project is about? Definitely. So you can follow uh, the documentary process on Free CC Documentary on Twitter. That would be at Free C Documentary. Also, you can go to freeccdocumentary.net to see the trailer to get more information if you want to donate. If you have a friend that wants to donate, corporation, anybody, all the funds is needed. Uh, but basically... Uh, the documentary, which is produced by Jack Garris and uh, co-produced with Laverne Cox. And it just highlights, well, it pretty much starts with me in prison. That's when the okay. first interview took place. Um, and from there, uh, the cameras have been following me from <laughs> the time I was in prison to the day that I got out of prison. Uh, and just highlighting some key points in my life, um, talking at different um, events. But also it gets uh, more of a correct analysis with, you know, uh, with professionals who do uh, certain work with trans people uh, to get a more in-depth 
look at what it's like to be trans, the violence that trans women face, uh, and also other social uh, institutions that kind of uh, take away from trans women uh, as far as employment and housing, um, just the everyday struggles that most trans women of color um and most trans women, but specifically trans women of color face on a day-to-day basis and getting to see me as a person outside of being trans, outside of being a, a black trans woman, but to see me as a person and to see my plight as a human being, to see that, you know, trans people are humans and, you know, that we aren't, you know, monsters, we aren't, you know, creatures that sleep upside down in caves where, you know, we want love, we want respect, we want to have the same equality and rights as everybody else. You know, it just opens that door to show the more human side of me and for other trans women is to talk about the depth of some of the trans women um, in this country and, you know, just to shed light on the issues that trans women face uh, and to, you know, kind of open and bring that topic to the forefront so that people can, you know, respect us um, one and to give us the space to grow, to to kind of give and show more of who we are outside of the stereotypes that have been placed upon us, and to you know just as I like to say, turn up on their lives just to give them an idea of who I am outside of you know CC McDonald's the public figure. You get to me at home, CC, and me smoking weed, CC, and me being myself, right. and you know, loving my family, You're human. And loving my friends, right? Exactly, and that's I think that's right. I think that's I think that's something that's so important with this with society in general is that they have dehumanized us for so long that they can't see us outside of anything other than props. You know what I'm saying? Like we're either right. the, you know, the tranny um, porn star oh. or we're the corner prostitute drug user. You know what I'm saying? Addicts. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, even if that was the case, bitch, back up off who I am. Like stop dehumanizing me and demonizing me for the things that I do when it's not my fault to begin with. Let's look at the way that society has plan these failings for us from the get-go. So if that was my fault, it wouldn't have been my fault. It would have been, you know, the way that the social structure is set up. But Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. of that, Mm -hmm. I want to break those ideas of stereotypes of, you know, trans women of color, you know. Wake it up, wake it up. One pivotal moment for me was the the generational uh, conversation I had with Laverne and Miss Major and talking about the generational differences that we all face as trans women of color and also come together as trans women, you know, in our own, you know, being who we are, come to, you know, this place to let, you know, 
share our stories, our feelings, with, with, and I love them so much, you know, to have that conversation kind of, you know, open my eyes to see that, you know, the, you know, the struggles trans women have, you know, been going on for centuries, you know. Um, and I was talking to a friend about this, um, which is this idea about trans women or, well, in the Bible they were called eunuchs, and, you know, there was this whole conversation we had about that. But basically the, the, the documentary is, you know, talking about trans history, talking about trans, you know, the present, and talking about trans future and what that looks like. And you know me, I'm forever right. calling out people and, you know, having this awareness you know, visibility mm-hmm. isn't enough. You know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. people need to understand that, yes, it's, it's great that we're being visible now, but we have to go beyond that. We have to talk about why trans women are still being murdered. You know, eight women have been murdered, trans women have been murdered this year alone, and it hasn't even been six months into the year. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we have to talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the the the, the mass incarceration that trans women face, the the majority of trans women of color being murdered in this country and how effective that is for the way that, you know, we give hope for each other and the hope that we have for ourselves, you know. And that's something that, for me, that I struggle with a lot is, like, I have to have hope for myself to give other trans women of color hope. And I have to constantly empower myself and, you know, grow with myself and constantly, you know, tell myself how much that I love myself and, and right. how much I need to love myself to love other trans women. Right. So, it's, you know, this movie opens No, up absolutely. Like, Cece, for me, like, that's so important that you bring that up because I feel like a lot of times in our community, um, oftentimes girls are regrudged for uh, loving themselves, for investing in themselves. And I think that that's something that we need to do. We need to invest in ourselves. We need to love ourselves. How can I help and empower a sister if I am struggling? That's not how it works. So I really exactly. I, I applaud you. I applaud you. So let's um, let's bring Chase into the conversation. Chase, how are you, hun? Um, how are you? <laughs> I am good. I am good. Thank you again for having me. I'm, you know, I, I'm having a good day and thankful to be here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. We are Facebook friends, Chase. Um, I know you recently was on vacay. Um, how was that? It was good. I went uh, I went with my family, and, you know, it turns mm-hmm. out vacationing with a toddler is not the same as vacationing without one, but it was right. still <laughs> very nice, and I enjoyed time mm-hmm. away from New York and time with my family, absolutely. so so that was good, and, and I, you know, I appreciate you asking that question and thinking about, absolutely. you know, ourselves as people that need rest. Right, and that's something that I have try to incorporate more into this show. Um, this show cannot be, and I said this in a Huffington Post piece that should be coming out soon. Um, it's like a Q&A or whatever, and they asked me about Kitty Bella's show, and I was just like, 
like this show is basically is moving in a new direction. I'm I'm not trying to focus. The show is not going to be you know the latest tally of trans murders. That's not my role. Um, for me, I, my my role and what I can offer is healing. What I can offer is empowerment narrative. That is what I believe in my core, and that's what I can share. And so that's what I'm trying to bring to these spaces because we have enough. Um, we have enough trauma in this world. There's a, there's a lack of reporting on the cases, but there's also an, an inundation of it in our own community. So I think it's time that we also balance. I like balance. I like balance. And so for me, um, that, that is, that's the key. Um, so Chase, let's get into it. We was yeah. heavily involved. Yes. Yes, in the Monica Jones case. And thanks to you, the ACLU, and Oliver Cox, and so many others, as well as, why is my mom calling me and she does not see this? (laughs) 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 I need a bomb sound. This is how messy the Kitty Bella show is. My mom, who is a huge supporter of mine, who I love dearly, we had a great um, relationship right now. Um, of course, it started out really rocky, um, and hopefully one day I'll do a show with her. We've talked about that, right? And so I'm like, why are you calling me? You don't know I'm recording Kitty Bella show right now. <laughs> I'm like, they don't even know I'm recording. <laughs> mom, oh my gosh! Shout out to Giadora Johnson. Um, yes, Chase. Right, right, right. Chase, um, yes, ACLU, Laverne Costa, so many others, as well as the Orishas, Yay My Ya, they bring an end to Monica's nightmare. Can you tell our audience, Chase, why that case was so vital to take and why it received the attention it did? Um, Because we all know that these discriminatory legal practices happen all the time, but this case was different. Mm -hmm. Tell us why. Yeah, so first, I mean, I do want to say that, you know, obviously it was great that the ACLU put resources behind it and that Laverne Cox came out and supported Monica. But really, you know, the reason that this story, you know, was was a big story and the reason why ultimately Monica's conviction was overturned and uh, her case was dismissed by the prosecution in Phoenix is because of Monica herself. You know, she was at the center of this fighting. You know, she is so fierce in that it doesn't, I mean, it was great to have all that support, but the bottom line is Monica right. herself was the was the was the real reason. Um, and so, right. you know, Monica's story is you know unfortunately such a common one, but also because of how hard she fought and because of you know what an amazing person she is, it was also you know quite exceptional. Um, but Monica was is a black trans woman, and she lives in Phoenix, and she's an organizer, and she's a student, and she's an activist. Um, and she was known to police because she was someone who showed up at protests. Protest the police, you know, actions that caused so many mm. women of color to be targeted and trans women included. And so Monica was known to police because she was an activist. And so the day after she was involved in a protest of a program called Project Rose, which was a program that, uh, you know, basically denied people who are profiled uh, as engaging in sex work or who are engaging in sex work, it denied them their constitutional rights to have access to an attorney following arrest, and it just shuttled them into this so-called um, diversion program. So Monica was um, was protesting that program, and the next day she was uh, profiled by police officers in her neighborhood. They, uh, In their report, they commented on how she looked, um, and basically she was approached on that basis, and she was arrested under a law that we still argue and still believe is unconstitutional. Uh, and, and, and 
Monica was able to take that case to trial. And I think it's important to note that so few people get to take their cases to trial for so many different reasons, whether it's because, you know, like Cece, they're facing a huge uh, unconstitutional sentence and unjust punishment, and they need to take a plea because the plea is the way to avoid a huge sentence, regardless of the circumstances of their arrest, or it's because they're undocumented and it's too big of a risk to go to trial and risk conviction. So you take a plea that doesn't have immigration consequences. So there's all sorts of reasons. And Monica fought her case. You know, she was able to because of how she was positioned, because of the jail time was, uh, that she was facing, and because of other things. She fought the, the conviction, took it to trial, and ultimately was convicted and still fought the case on appeal. And even when the case was dismissed, she was said she was disappointed that she didn't get to challenge the constitutionality of the law because she doesn't want anyone to ever be arrested under that law. So what a fierce, amazing person. Wow. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's you know, Monica Jones, seriously, she's she's amazing and um and she just made sure her story was told and made sure it was not just about her and it was about you know, people who are who are targeted by police because they're living in poverty and because you know, because they're women, because they're trans women. She told the, the sort of the larger story always and I think that was so important and it wasn't lost on her or any of her supporters that the entire policing system is a system that of course ascends from, from slavery, from Jim Crow, uh, from lynching uh, and so, you know, talking about the targeting of trans women of color, the targeting of all women of color can't be talked about without also talking about that history and so really fighting to disrupt all of those systems which is what I think Monica did. Absolutely. Thank you for yes. that, Chase. That was, um, yes, right, Cece? That was amazing. Yes. And I just want to go back to Cece. Right, I want to circle back to you, Cece. Um, Cece, sex work is heavily criminalized in this country, as we just heard uh, Chase so eloquently talk about with the Monica Jones. As we see in the Monica Jones case, oftentimes criminal justice systems, including law enforcement, like to assassinate trans folk characters in court. Can you tell our listeners, uh-huh. Cece, is that Right. Is that something you experienced? And if so, how did you or your legal team deal with that? Oh, definitely. Um, uh, I know that a lot of, you know, well, my my case is now public record, so anybody can go and look at the transcripts from my case if they choose to. Um, but the right. prosecution were trying to do everything from, uh, the unacknowledgement of me as a trans woman, and, and by that not allowing that even being allowed to be used in court, when it was the main mm. one of the main factors in my case, uh, they right. would not let key witnesses come in to talk about uh, the you know the rate of trans women being attacked or killed um, in this country, the rate of violence towards trans women. Um, or the fact that this man had a swastika tattooed on his chest. And also the idea that not only am I a trans woman, but I'm also black. I'm a woman of color. Right. So I'm not only facing the ideas of, you know, the 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 things going against me as a trans woman, I'm also going against the things that face me as a black woman and as a black person. And before anybody sees that I'm trans, they also see, you know, it's always the question, what are, what are they noticing first, that I'm black or that I'm trans? 
You know what I'm saying? And it's oh. obviously that they see that I'm black first. You know what I'm saying? So it's always this idea of me also constructing or, you know, constructing my mind around the fact that it's not always just about me being trans and that it can also be just as equally about, you know, equally be about me being black. And so I have to tell myself that every day, you know, like in my case, you know, it was really easy for people to just use the trans part of that. But the case was also, you know, majority tied in with my race too. Let's not forget these people mm-hmm. were Nazis who attacked us not only for our sexual orientations and our sexual identities, but also for our race, you know, Everything Absolutely. from the things that they called us, you know, and I'm going to get a little graphic here, you know, nigger babies. Hi, babies. Uh, they were, they, you know, we were called nigger babies, uh, uh, chicks with dicks, uh, you know, that we were dressing like this to trick men and to having sex with us. And it was so many things that were being said to us that night. And that's when I had a a real fucking reality check about society, that it really doesn't matter whether I'm black or that I'm trans, is that society hates them both. And so I have to constantly Mm -hmm. tell myself, how do I, you know, go to society? and, And now I have to, you know, build movements and liberation around not just, and that's why I chose to do liberation and activist work, not just for trans people or just for black people, but for all people because I feel like if I'm going through this, I know someone that is Muslim is facing this. I know someone that's an immigrant is facing this. I know someone that is, you know, has um, a disability is going through this because hate runs rampant, and and hate doesn't just pick one thing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm constantly having to correct people, you know, like just because I'm trans and I'm black doesn't mean that I can't stop someone talking about someone because they're Asian American or I can't, you know, stick up for someone that's lesbian. You know, we might absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. That's a very important point, CC. And um, let's bring Chase back in. Like Chase, what what CC's talking about? Can you like just talk about some of those things um, in terms of what your experiences have been with the legal system? Yeah, I mean, you know, what CC went through is 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 so is so incredibly unacceptable, but unfortunately, such so so central to a system that you know seeks to to really take away the humanity of people of color and particularly black people and particularly trans people. And, you know, I think unfortunately what I've seen with so many cases is just the entire premise of the legal system is to make it harder for, for people to survive. And one way that that happens is as CC talked about and as you've talked about, it's funneling people into the criminal justice system and making it harder for them to live. Um, whether that's by, you know, depriving them of medication, depriving them of other necessities, whether that's by making it impossible to get, you know, access to trans health care, whether that's through solitary confinement or whether that's through just straight-up police murdering people, um, this is something that we see and that is, you know, central to the to the, um to the operation of the system itself, which is why I think it was so powerful when 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 CC was was always asked like would you would it have been better if you had been transferred to a women's prison and I think you know CC really blowing up that question and saying, you know there are no safe prisons really 
was able to shine light on the fact that this is a this is a systemic problem and sort of tinkering with the violence of these systems, you know, and not sort of you know wholesale abolishing them is not going to get us where where we need to be. Um, of course, as a lawyer, I recognize that like I am always doing reform work, and my hope is that I can do it in a way that takes resources. Um, you know, that basically redistributes resources as much as possible and, and helps people survive um, while they're incarcerated. Absolutely. Thank you for fostering that in, Chase. Yeah. Um, I'm going to circle back around to CC. CC, the prison industrial complex is a new slavery. It is a known fact of the capitalism and economy at stake for white supremacy. When folks often talk about police reform, they say, yeah, police are so necessary. Right, with their little pom-poms. You know, for those really bad folks. Cece, why is prison no bueno for anybody? Uh, I'd be up to me up. Um, The thing (laughs) is... (laughs) The the thing is, um, the prison industrial complex, which is uh, a segue for many industrial complexes that are social uh, structures that, uh, you know, uh, this world are built on, Mm -hmm. um, and they're tied in with each other from the medical industrial complex to the entertainment uh, industrial complex. They're all tied in with each other in in some way, and they feed off of each other. But the prison industrial complex uh, has a long, extensive history, starting from the abolishment of slavery and the the uh, the evolution of the the prison industrial complex itself, um, which was built on the incarceration of free slaves uh, to rent them out to white to white. Uh, uh, ex-slave owners um, in a sense that is slavery um, but not in the same terms. So it was prison. Mm. It was slavery but it wasn't you know the word slavery wasn't used. It was you know reformed right. to prison. So th- that's how it began and now we see that you know uh People of color are disproportionately incarcerated at higher rates uh, than white people um, when everybody does everything at the same rate. And it's it's, um, it's more so with the policing and the the, uh, surveillance of uh, polished communities, which are predominantly... uh, with you know people of color, so it's like how do we how do we get people to understand that the prison industrial complex is more detrimental to our society than than it is helping all the money, all the funds, all the resources that are being put into you know um into building prisons into funding prisons can go into the things that prevent people from being in prison to begin with. We think about the medical uh, industrial complex that is also tied into the prison industrial complex. And one good, right. analogy, uh, one good example I use is 
the way that mental health is viewed in this country. When people aren't given the resources that they need for good, you know, medical attention when it comes to mental health, you know, they end up on streets, you know, or in shelters um, where they're constantly being policed and surveilled. And, you know, we recently just seen the man, the homeless man being shot to death by the police on Skid Row. You know what I'm saying? When instead of helping that person, giving them the resources that they need, giving them entitlement to free health care, free mental health care, free um, uh, places to go to to get this this help, um, they would demonize this person, send them out on the streets, have them be policed with the chances of being killed by the police, and then say, you know, oh, well, you know, so we have to think about the ways that, you know, or when we think about the media or the entertainment uh, industrial complex where prisons are glorified, even, you know, we look at lockup, and it comes on NBC every Friday. Right. You can check it out. But, you know, it's it's <laughs> this idea of looking to, you know, what prisons are in, you know, you're only getting the hour clip of these people, and then you get to turn that channel and you get to lay down in your bed, and those people that were or are in those prisons are still there or still have to deal with the post-traumatic stress of being in prison. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's one thing that I do and honestly can say is that dealing with the, the post traumatic stress of that incident and being in prison has shifted and molded my life in a different way. You know what I'm saying? And I see things differently. And, you know, people are entertained by that. You know, like, what is entertaining about watching someone in their misery, no matter how entertaining it might seem, at the end of the day, when those cameras left that prison, those people went back to their misery and had to deal with the shittiness of being in prison. And so we are entertained by that. We're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Or even Orange is the New Black, and yes, I love Laverne for, you know, being an outstanding actress on the show, but it still glorifies and idolizes the idea of being in prison. You know what I'm saying? And we we have to decolonize our minds around that. We have to say, no, it's not good for us to think that prisons are fun. It's not good because we have to think prisons affect uh, our education system, as we can see with the schools to prison pipeline. School affects, uh, you know, the way that we are, you know, treated medically, both mentally and, you know, with physical health. Um, prisons are, you know, diminishing our communities. You know, it takes – look how many families have been ruined by prisons. Look how many people have been incarcerated for petty ass crimes that, you know, white people are profiting off of now. It's really it's really sickening to see that, you know, people are still dealing with this and think that prisons are are the safe alternative when it's like, no, there are ways that we can get around putting people in prisons every time we think that something is wrong. Look at the lawmakers. Look at the laws that are constantly being created. There was just a law passed in, uh, I want to say, Michigan, the law that gives people the right to uh, not revise 
people if they're gay. Why how would you know if a person was gay? If you're an EMT and you're coming to rescue someone and you choose that you don't want to stay this person because you have a hunch, quote unquote, that this person might be gay, then you know it, it's it's so much. And I, I hate to segue, but I just think about the way that this country is profiting off of you know the you know all of these industrial complexes that are not benefiting any of us other than the people who run them. And they're just sitting back like fat cats laughing at us like, hey, if y'all like it, I love it. And that's, what, and that's pretty much what we're showing them, that we, we don't see anything outside of these complexes that are being set up to destroy us and to, and to, to, to replenish them. And we're left, you know, in a dust looking like, you know, cray birds or whatever. But, you know, that's the reality. You know, people feel that prisons are safe. People feel that police are safe. And it's the total opposite. It's, you know, police are right, right. what they're supposed to do. They're here to murder. They're here to incarcerate. You know, they're not here to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever mm-hmm. night and shiny armor idea people had about cops. That's not what they're supposed to do. If you look at the history of cops, like I said, from the abolishment of slavery, they're doing exactly what they were told to do from that day on forward. That's why the majority of police officers are white. That's that's why you hear little about black cops speaking out about racism in a police force. And if they do, I've heard plenty of cases of cops being threatened with being fired or being, you know, sent, you know, on paid leave Absolutely. or unpaid leave Absolutely. And because I, I, I they want that. to speak out on the racism in the police, um, you know, in these police forces. And we, this is shit that we need to talk about. Prisons aren't safe. Absolutely. Yes, and let me usher in Cece because as a black trans woman who works in law enforcement, who has talked about my shit on this show, it is not an easy thing. Um, that shit is fucking, it's sickening. Um, that was actually my next question. Well, one of my next questions. And so for me, we need to talk about that shit. I have spoken about plenty of the oppression I have faced at work, and that shit is too much. It is too much. Mm-hmm. So, Shay, let's circle back to you. You work on the Jane Doe case. Can you tell our audience why supporting that case was so vital? Yeah, so, well, first of all, I think Cece just pretty much sums up everything that's right. wrong with the world. Let's, let's so, that in. <laughs> yeah, so, so just, you know, I'll turn it back to Cece. But I will say, so Jane Doe is a, with a, is a trans, a young trans person who, uh, That's the yeah. bomb blowing up the prison, right? Yes, um, I'm right. Bomb, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Go Jane, so Jane, Jane Doe is a is a young trans a young trans girl, young Latina trans girl who uh, has spent her life in the in the juvenile and and child juvenile justice and child welfare systems in Connecticut. Um, and those systems, you know, did not care for her. Um, and and after she was sent out of state to a facility in Massachusetts, uh, following an alleged incident with a staff member, uh, she w- the the commissioner of the Department of Children and Families in Connecticut really had it out for her, um, and and found her to be so threatening because 
she was a, a a trans girl because she was a girl of color because she was someone who the system couldn't quite figure out um and and instead of you know trying to get her the health care that she needed or the services that she needed they sent her to an adult prison without any charges. They threatened to send her to the adult men's prison. They ultimately sent her into isolation at the adult women's prison where she spent months and months this summer and then was sent back into isolation in the juvenile boys uh, facility. And her story just really was, was so was was so devastating and really was the story of someone who uh the system just deemed disposable um even though she was the most vibrant person who had so much life and who had so many hopes and dreams that that even though the this horrible demon commissioner was trying to take them away was was just continuing to fight just to have a, a childhood, you know, like for me as this white person who grew up in a fancy place, like I had so much childhood, I had so much possibility. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And Here come the whiteness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, lots of whiteness coming out now. Uh, but she, no, she, you know, she, she, she just didn't. She just, they tried to take that away from her over and over, and like she just wanted to be a kid, and she just wanted to be loved. Um, and, and that's what she told me. She would just be like, you know, I just really want someone to take me in. I want a family. I want love. I, you know, I want to go to prom. I want a dream. Um, and, and here it was, this, these adults in, in her life, these adults with power, just like crushing that from her. So it, it was amazing that so many people supported her. And ultimately, you know, she's still locked up. Um, and, and I think that's because that's exactly what the system's supposed to do and just keep telling her she's disposable, but, but she's not. And, and we have to keep supporting her. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing all of that knowledge, all of that information, um, as well as the Monica Jones information earlier. I appreciate you coming on tonight, Shape. Um, let's circle back around to what Cece, though, was talking about, and which ties into my own personal uh, discrimination that I faced at work as a law enforcement officer last year. Shape, can you tell our listeners, um, this is like a big thing here, so just just prepare yourself. Why helping trans women of color, especially in terms of LGBT or trans-affirming organizations that receive funding for allegedly, quote-unquote, doing the work? For background purposes, I say this because on a personal note sheet, I have worked with you with my own discrimination case at work last year. However, the bigger issue for me was that I went to several local New York City LGBT trans-affirming organizations to only be told, quote-unquote, your case is not white enough. Your case won't bring me money. And so for me, no, they didn't say those exact words, but they might as well have. And thanks to a prior working relationship with the ACLU of New Jersey, G. Locero, on an initial issue with my job. Yes, y'all, assimilation is never the goal. Like my goddess Lord Hunter says, it has never saved us. So Jean, with intentionality, looked at my paper trail I had created and found it worth merit to pursue, and she brought you on. Now, without going into too much detail, <laughs> right, wait, 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 we're going into details, Chase. Wait, 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 wait. No details. Right. right. Tell us about why my case involving health discrimination. It was a health discrimination case, uh, y'all. I uh, was denied a health insurance uh, claim, and why was that worthy of the ACLU's time? Well, 
well, first of all, I, know I want to say, <laughs> I want to say, like, like, you know, like, like what I said, or similar to what I said earlier about Monica, like you, and, and I think you alluded to this a little, but you, you had sort of created the most, you know, you, you didn't even need a lawyer, really. You had sort of, you had sort of. <laughs> You had advocated for yourself for so long, and you had all of the evidence. So basically, you just handed me a completed case and said, "Will you do this?" Even though I already did it for you. So right, trans women of color do the work already. We yeah. are already still need to say that case. They are coming to the table with the work done. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think first of all, like it's uh, you know from coming from the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, you know my goal has oh. always been. Um, to to sort of to make sure that all, that the goal of the legal reform work that we're doing is is, re, is resource distribution oriented. And so when I think of something like healthcare, to me it's like we have to make sure that we're delivering healthcare to people. We're making sure that people are getting paid when they're paying things out of pocket. And if you're thinking about who's having the most resources taken from them by the legal system, that is trans women of color. That is, you know, that is people living at the intersection of all of the forms of police violence and the histories of uh, the, the, the prison industrial complex and the, and the prison and policing system. So if our goal, our legal work goal should be resource distribution, then we should always be censoring the people who have had the most resources taken from them. And then the interventions that we pursue, like getting someone money because the, their employer is discriminating against them because they're not providing them the health insurance they're providing to other employees, that, that should be an intervention that we look at. That should be something that says, okay, well, let's take the let's take the resources and put them back in the hands of the people who have had the most resources taken from them. And I think, you know, health discrimination is, is a key thing because that's a way to right. get people's survival. Yes. Yes. Sure yes. That right. they are having Wake it up, Chase. They... Wake it up. <laughs> so, so, I mean, even though I didn't do any of the work in your case, as you did, um, I still think it's a really important uh, important thing that we can do to support people who are doing the work, who are have, still having the resources taken from them, and if we can sort of use our skills with the with the system to um, to give that to take the money and give it to other people to give it back to people who've had it taken from them, then I think that should be our goal. Absolutely. Also, can I, oh can my. I just say one thing yeah, about jump in, jump in. Also, <laughs> yeah, jump in. with the medical industry, especially with insurance, we have to realize that there is a lot of sexism and misogyny and trans misogyny in that also. Yes, it's been progressive, and we've been seeing that a lot more of the insurance uh, companies, private insurance, have been covering trans health issues. But mm-hmm. I had made a comment a while back when, you know, this wasn't even being considered. When mm-hmm. um, I, had, I, had, I had made a comment at some college about, yeah, we, we talk about, you know, the equality, we talk about bringing equality uh, in this country for women and trans women. Um, but when we look at health care, it is more likely that, a, 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 a cisgendered man can get a penis pump covered by his insurance than a trans woman being able to get any of her trans health care being covered. So we have to think about 
how much of the misogyny and trans misogyny lies in that when when they're constantly constantly seeing us as the lesser as the weaker. You know what I'm saying? Now, if I was a man and I was like, hey, I need a penis pump. My shit ain't working right now. Can you ship it on over? And they're like, yes. What insurance do you have? Oh, I have, you know, I have this or I have that. And they're like, oh, well, your insurance covers that. But me as a trans woman, I'm constantly having my hormones switched because insurance companies decide they don't want to cover cover my hormones anymore. So my body is mm-hmm. constantly having to go through these issues of new hormones, hormone dosage switches, all because of insurance companies not wanting to cover it or it's too much. Or, you know what I'm saying, but a man can get his right. penis pump covered by the same insurance. How about you suck hmm. my ass? How about you suck it really hard? Because right, right now you're you're showing me that you give two fucks about my health care or how, you know, and people think that, you know, hormone withdrawal is really serious. The, the symptoms, the things that you go through when your body is lacking of the hormones that it's been having for how many sums of months or years that you've been taking it and you're being stopped is with any person who's taking any type of medication. So you wouldn't just give someone some psych medicine and then be like, oh, guess what, boo, your, your insurance don't cover that no more. So we're going to give you this. We don't know what it is, but it might help hmm. you. That is how hmm. they treat us. That's what they show right. us. Like, oh, you're trans. We really don't care about your issues. We want to make you think we care by making you think that your that your 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 you know hormones or whatever is covered by this, and then two months, one week, five days later, they're like, oh well, we don't cover that no more. So here you go, whatever this is, you know, eat it, bite it, stick it on your body, whatever. And let's just hope it, you know, transforms you. I, and that's the that's the sad reality of again the the medical industrial complex, which you know insurance is a, a part of that. But that's how they treat us as trans as trans women. Like you know, one we're women, so they really don't you know they they didn't care to begin with. But right. as trans women, it's like we give no fucks, honey. We just want you to think we care. So here's your little hormones. You know, get out my face. And that's how I feel as a trans woman. I've literally called my insurance provider, literally crying, like, please, I need my hormones. Like, can y'all please mm. figure this out? I I mm. literally went months without my hormones because they're like, oh, we're still trying to figure out if, if, you're, if you know, your coverage covers what you need. And it's like, well, oh, yeah. my. if I wanted a penis pump, y'all would have gave that to me in a heartbeat. Mm-mm-mm. It's it's just crazy. It's a messy scene. Um, and also another thing that I like that Chase brought into the housing piece and the employment piece. Like, can you just talk about that? Because like I feel like that is just like so lacking. Like all these organizations are focusing in their funding on HIV prevention. But let's be like, let's fuck it up. Let's wake it up. Like, where is the housing? Where is the employment? Where is the healthcare? Trans women of color, let's be specific, need those resources. Mhm. What do you um? You have any uh, thoughts on that before I move on, baby? Me or CC? Sorry. Oh, um, that was for CC Day. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, I feel like the lack 
of one, there is no acknowledgement in these fields when it comes to uh you know, the idea that trans women aren't being uh discriminated against when it's it's obvious that trans women are being discriminated against and I can attest to that on so many different levels. You know, one, having been on so many job interviews pre and post prison and have been denied and on the strength of knowing it's because I'm trans. And, I mean, applying for jobs that I'm a less than qualified for, I mean, that any 16-year-old high school student can go, mind you, I have some college, you know, experience in, you know, working to get a degree, and I'm applying for a dishwashing position, and I'm getting turned down because I don't fit the criteria or I don't meet the standards. I mean, what standards do you need to meet as a dishwasher? This right. You know what I'm saying? And also, like I was saying about the housing situation, you know, I'm constantly nice. in fear of having to deal with um, being discriminated against in housing because as a trans woman of color, I'm going to always be looked at as um, a threat, whether it be because I'm doing some form of um, sex work, regardless of if I was doing that or not, that's the idea that they would have about me anyways, as a trans woman of color. And I know that that was actually supposed to be a law that they were trying to pass in um, Oakland was that um, a landlord can evict uh, a trans tenant if, if they feel that there was uh, any signs of sex work. And it's like, well, how would you know that there were signs of sex work? Because it's one person constantly has company coming in and out of their house or because the fact that they're trans and they're black. I mean, what what would be the signs of a person? How would you know? How would you know this unless you're surveilling extra hard, unless other tenants in the building are surveilling extra hard and having to, again, be, um, you know, have these stereotypes forced upon you and now you're dealing with that. And so trans women are constantly being targeted, you know, what I'm like whether it be blatantly or whether it be underhandedly, mm-hmm. you know, trans women are gonna be discriminated against. And right. people will find all type of excuses for them not to have, you know, that access or those resources, but we all know that it's because they're trans and that, you know, the discrimination that trans women face is so great that, you know, it's, it's been normalized and people mm-hmm. use any excuse to say why we can't hire you or why we can't rent this unit to you. And the main reason is because they're trans. Absolutely, absolutely. Chase, can we circle you back in? I have two more questions. Um, we're going to wrap up very shortly. I'm going to have a question for Chase and then one for Cece, um, and then we'll just, uh, you know, uh, wrap up. Chase, are you there, hon? I am here, yes. Yes. Can you tell us uh, some helpful reminders, if you can, uh, but, you know, just some basic things for trans folk to know in general when trying to navigate all these systems that are not designed for us, uh, like CC has so eloquently uh, spoken on tonight. Like, for instance, when a trans woman of color is told by her job to reveal her medical records like I was, 
right? What's between your legs, girl? Is that okay? What is transatlantic defense? What's that about? Oh gosh! So like, just can you just right, right? And I think it's important that the girls <laughs> yes, know I mean, that. I'm already the girls need way. to know uh, that. The girl, right? Uh, CC, yes. The girls need to know that. They need to know the law. You know what I'm saying? They need to know these laws. But I just want to, for Chase to just briefly like go through it. Yeah. So you want me to go through all the laws that are out there? No. no I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> um, but. I mean, I think the first thing to, to say is, is, you know, like, which is what we've been talking about all night, which is, like, no matter what the laws are, whether they're good or bad, they'll almost always be used in a bad way. Um, even if what it Ooh. says on paper is that, you know, you have a right to X, the bottom line is, you know, we li- we sort of live in a, a legal system where, you know, we don't protect workers in general. We don't protect uh, people, you know, who are vulnerable to abuse by medical systems in general. So we have all sorts of problems with disclosures. We have all sorts of problems with workers being discriminated against with police killing people. Um, I think maybe a few things to note just that people should keep in mind are that, um, you know, when when dealing, you know, with, with police or when dealing with the criminal justice system, I think everyone is the best judge of what's safest in any given situation because asserting your rights obviously can lead to more violence, and I would never want to suggest that people do that um, when, when they themselves know what the best course of action is in any given situation. Now, that being said, I think trans people often experience so much discrimination just in the arrest and booking and arraignment process that they end up in a situation where um, where they, they they take a bad plea at arraignment or uh, or they're they're in custody longer. So I think you know if if, if people can can look to organizations and people like Florina Borjas to bail them out so that they can fight their cases from the outside, that's always uh, better. And I hope that people will continue to pull resources to get people out of jail. Um, and then in the employment situation, I think you know unfortunately there are so few protections, and even when there's so I, there's protections for trans people in the law. There's so many ways that employers will abuse that. And as CC was saying, like you, you, you can't really prove that you're being discriminated against. You can apply for a million jobs and just not get called back. So I think the best thing to do is just keep organizing for the revolution and disrupting all these systems. I know that's not very helpful, uh, but I think that's probably the best the best bet. That is very helpful. That is the goal. Assimilation is not the goal. So I'm glad you actually finished up on that with uh, that well, analysis. No Absolutely. Right. Chase comes from that organization, but he also uh, knows that we need to dismantle these systems. And so that's why I talk to Chase. CC. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you have any thoughts on that On um, in terms of um, some things that you would like to give, any gifts to your sisters out there that you would like to say um, in terms of navigating these systems as we finish up? Um, so just, just write, you know, make it brief. Okay. Um, definitely, like I was saying earlier, there needs to be one, um, some form of self-awareness. You have to keep in mind who you are and stay true to that um, because people are going to try to take that away from you. And there's there's going to be all these obstacles from discrimination, 
you know, to um, dehumanizing and demonizing of who we are as women. So we're constantly going to have to, you know, stay strong and be persistent in, you know, being strong women and being strong leaders and being strong activists in so not if you're a trans woman, at some point you're going to have to, you know, advocate. You're going to have to, you know, either stick up for yourself or stick up for someone that you know. And I've 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 chosen to take that, you know, take that role. And I hope that a lot more trans women and you know trans women of color are, you know, getting in mind with the ideas of advocating. And, you know, that's what, you know, society hates is, you know, I, I, I know that they would say that, you know, society hates an educated black person, but they really would hate an educated, non-conforming black person. So, like, we really have to keep in mind uh, to, to stay true to ourselves, to to be mindful of who we are, to to give good advice, to be uh, the best people that we can be, and love ourselves and our uniqueness and our individuality and our goddessness, and just you know live in love and enjoy life, and you know pray and work and strive for things to get better because we can't just sit and hope that things will get better. We actually have to go out there and make things better. And um yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Go on. Like that's what I'm talking about. And I know that um we only have a few minutes left for the show and I only have one more question left and it's for U C C um and then I'm gonna allow uh, you and she to wrap up uh with your uh links and contacts. Um, but I want I want us to get into this a little bit tonight. Can you just talk about that? You you briefly touched on it at the end there, um, talking about um, loving ourselves and and just having fun. And I think that's something that we we sometimes also regrudge each other in the community. Again, uh, we regrudge mm-hmm. other girls for having fun and like being body positive. Can you just touch on that a little bit um, in terms of sending that affirmation out there to our sisters, like that it's okay, it's okay to love your body. Definitely. So, first off, we will have to acknowledge the the really strong uh, shade that that goes around in our community. Um, oh. I, I really, I really stepped back from the ball scene because that was one environment that a lot of misogyny and sexism ran rampant and I wasn't expecting that within my own community but it's definitely there and I had so many trans women uh, coming up to me telling me like oh you should you know you should get this pump you should do this right you know you fishy but you're not fishy enough you can be fishy oh. if you do this you know what I'm saying right. and that really mm-hmm. made me not like myself as a person because now I was still living under these standards of what a woman was and like 
I felt like even if I did make those choices, I would need to know that I love myself regardless, you know, because, you know, I, I do not knock people for the choices that they make. If you want to alter your body, then do it, you know. But, you know, people been overstepping it with the skin bleaching. That's another story. But loving yourself is more than just, you know, the tips and the coochie you're going to get with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to understand loving yourself is knowing who you are. It means that you are in tune with who you are. So if you knew that you had no body parts, that you would still love yourself regardless of the fact because it's about the soul within the body. You know what I'm saying? Like, our bodies are just the things that navigate the soul to where it needs to be and get what it needs to get out. And if you're constantly living in the idea of vanity and, you know, just, you know, stereotypical, you know, ideas, then you can't think outside of the things that are just tangible and have no substance. You have to go beyond that. You have to think outside that box, and I have to do that for myself as a trans woman. Like, what does it mean to be a woman? How do I love myself? And and I still don't have the answers to that. I still, you know, as, as trans women, we deal with dysmorphia. That's something that we deal with because we're constantly dealing with the misogyny and trans misogyny of, you know, the, you know, society and social structures and social complexes that constantly tell us you're not a woman, you'll never be a woman, you can't. So I have to constantly decolonize my mind around that and know that I am a woman and love myself as a woman and, you know, know that I won't have all the answers and know that as long as I love myself and I grow with that, then that, that'll that be enough. And whatever comes along with that, I'll know that I love myself regardless of the fact. And like I said, it definitely has to be some, you know, calling out of the black LGBTQIA community. We can't constantly keep shading each other, you know, thinking that, you know, we can build a a liberation movement when we're still throwing shade at each other for, you know, wearing our natural hair or not getting pumped or, you know, choosing not to do all the extra that other people choose to do. We we have to respect each other and know that transitioning is uh, each person's own experience. I'm not trying to transition like the next girl. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be the next girl. I know that me transitioning will not be like, you know, her transitioning or him transitioning or them transitioning. It's about me transitioning and how I'm going to do that is how I'm going to do that, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to live up to the standards of anybody else other than myself. So there definitely needs to be, you know, you know, the hashtag of stop the shade and, you know, right. it really, it, it's really that. important. That's so crazy. <laughs> I said she is giving me stop the shade tea right now. I'm tweeting Elizabeth Marie Ferreira. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely important that we we look at liberation movement in a different idea that we respect each other that that all black people aren't you know hipsters or that all black people aren't quote unquote ghetto that we all have different experiences that we you know we think differently we 
and that's where it comes to. Also, that there needs to be a big discussion within the cis and trans community. Like, I get a lot of transphobia from a lot of gay and lesbian people, and that's sad because those are the people you would expect to get some support from. I'm not saying all of it, if not all of it, some of it, but there is definitely still a lot of racism and misogyny and transmisogyny and transphobia and homophobia within the LGBTQIA community, especially in the people of color LGBTQIA community. So that needs to be addressed. If you don't like it, oh, well, suck ass. I'm just speaking the truth. People don't want to hear these things, but it's the reality. Like we can't constantly keep talking about progression or liberation, and then we're still shading the next girl because she wants to wear her hair natural or she wants to wear weave. Like, shut the fuck up. None of that is. <laughs> With the bombs dropping, but I'm saying though, stop the shade. Hashtag stop the shade. Let's literally get on a progressive movement and start uh, shaking and moving some shit. Absolutely. Thank you so much for ushering in that closing point, Cece. Oh, this was just juicy tonight. Chase, are you still there? I'm here. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Chase, can you please tell our folks uh, where they can find you and where they can contact you? And also, please tell us about what's, what is on the horizon. What, uh, what cases should we, putting, should we be putting our attention toward uh, in the next few months and stuff and weeks as, weeks as we go forward? Yeah, so um, uh, in the next few months, uh, I think always just, you know, continuing to reach out to people who are incarcerated um, in, in, is, right. is always what I am focusing on. In, uh, in, in, this, in uh, April, the last, the last week in April, I'm going to be arguing a case with the Delaware Supreme Court on behalf of a, a, a black trans man in, in, a, in a women's prison in Delaware who is just trying to get his name changed, and Delaware law uh, doesn't let people who are incarcerated change their name. So, um, so it's laws like that that make it so much harder for people to survive when they're inside. Um, and so, we're, so I'll be arguing that law is unconstitutional, and uh, I'll hopefully put out more information about about Kai, our client, because he's been he's been amazing and been fighting this fight for a long time. Um, and folks can reach me on Twitter at Chase Strangio or, um, or, or on email at strangio at org. Absolutely. Thank you so yes. much, Chase. Stacey, Thank yes, you. can you tell us what we can expect from you uh, going forward in the next few months? Where can we find you? Where, what are you doing? What projects? And also um, any final words um, for our, um, our listeners? Yes, definitely. Uh, I'll be wrapping, well, we'll be wrapping the uh, production of the Free Sissy documentary. It will be released in 2016, so I'll be looking out for a viewing party in your city. Um, also, I will, be, <laughs> I will be in Austin, Texas on the 5th. Uh, I will be at Berkeley on the 7th. I will be in Oakland on the 8th. I will be at UMass on the 10th. I will be in um, Winona uh, on the 17th. That's there. I'm in a photo. Whoop, whoop. 
I will be in Madison, Wisconsin on the 19th. I will be at the Color Violence Conference. Hello. Uh, that would be oh. on the 26th through the 29th. I'll be in DuPaul University on the 30th. Rutgers Camden on the 31st. I will be at Michigan yes. State on April 6th. I will be at University Read of it. Michigan April 7th. I will be Read at it. Michigan University on the 7th. I'll be at the Upper Wood Mass Queer PLC Conference that's here in Minneapolis on the 10th of April. I'll be at Hamilton College in New York on the 13th, Columbia University on the 14th, New York University on the 15th, Princeton on the 16th, Swarthmore College on the 17th, Temple University on the 20th, uh, and more scrum filming, uh, uh, scrum screen filming for the documentary on the 21st in Philadelphia, and I will be at Rutgers on the 28th. And you can find me on all social media websites on Facebook. That's Honeybee H O N E E B E A Royals. Let me add that Honeybee Royals. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Honeybee One. You can find me on Tumblr at SuperCC, or you can connect to my Tumblr to my website, ccmcdonald.com. And uh, and I will just be, you know, popping up here and there, different places, on your TV screens, on your social media websites, wherever I need to be to, you know, get the word out, that's where I'll be. So be looking out for me. Shay, thank you so much. Shay, thank you so much for being here tonight. You guys were super amazing. Guys, please pour into their work. Please check them out. Follow them. Please invest in CC. Support her work. Ashay, um, I'm going to put you guys on hold. You can hang up or feel free to meet your needs in self-care. The show is up 24-7 podcast. Thank you guys again for joining us on the Kitty Bella Show. Yes, thank you. Oh, my God. Sending you love, Chase. Sending you lots of love, CC. Oh, my God. Um, you guys, yes, thank you. You are on um, hold right now. You are on mute. So um, I just want to close up the show, do my closing moments here. I'm about to wrap up. I'm going to play a song um, just because I just feel like it tonight. Um, thank you guys again for a wonderful show. Thank you to all my listeners, all my supporters who are tweeting, TWOCC, uh, Lady Zane, uh, L. Hearns, all of you guys out there who are just really, just really showing your affirmation for the show. I'm super excited. Next week we will be off uh, self-care. I need to produce a few more shows, one of which will be, uh, which is so interesting, CC talks about bridging the gap with the cis community, and I've also been speaking with other folks, and that is an important theme that I'm getting, and so that is something that I will be trying to produce. I also uh, will be trying to produce a live version of the Kitty Bella Show. So there's a lot of big things popping, but I can't do it without the investment of my community. Um, I know I did talk about working, but I also did mention earlier that right now my mom is sick. And so unfortunately I'm not working. I'm actually trying to um, I'm trying to manifest my destiny. I'm going to say that much. This is a public show, and I don't want to spill too many details. But I'm trying to manifest my destiny, and I can't do that um, without the proper resources. And so I'm speaking my name. Please invest in the Kitty Bella Show and invest in this work. I continue to do my work with TWOC, T-W-O-C-C. You can invest in that organization as well, www.twocc.us. And you can also just invest in Kitty Bella as well. Um, that is an investment in TWOC as well. You can go to PayPal and invest there in my PayPal at kittydroid 
2011 at gmail.com. Work, CC, for that rundown. I'm super excited. I hope I get to meet you and go to one of those shows. Excuse me, uh, not shows. Go to one of those panels or uh, one of those events, speaking engagements where you are, or we could do drinks, have a party, girl. Girl, I'm down for it all. So tonight I would like to close the show with Miss Coco Jones. I always usher her into the show. I need to download some new songs, so I'm getting sick of these same two songs that I have to play. I need help. It's only me on the Kitty Bella show. Um, I don't want to do Why, though. That one's too sad. Let's do, um, where's my other song by Coco? Oh, I only have Why there. Okay, we'll do Azalea Banks. Why not? It's CC show tonight. It's the youth. The youth run the fuck amok. Bottles of gold, since she forced to get chased. Dead, dope, dope, the room in the grave. If that's why. 